Welcome to Bedtime Fairy Fails. I'm Kim. This episode was made possible in part by the live play D&D podcast, All D20. We'll tell you a little more about them after the show. This story comes from the live play Monster of the Week podcast, Will Branch High, that you can find anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, it's important to note that the Monster of the Week RPG is set in a modern time period with cars and cell phones, as opposed to our usual horses and sending stones. In this story, we'll learn some of the best ways to get noticed when you're trying to be stealthy. This is A Wolf in Street Clothing. Once upon a time, a group of teenagers were trying to solve a mystery. You see, a young boy had gone missing, but then reappeared with no explanation. And for some reason, no one in town remembers he was ever gone. Except, of course, our heroes. Who are these heroes? Let's meet them. First, we have Lorelai the Monstrous. She's a werewolf who walks around in human form, except with visible ears and a tail. No one in town questions it, though. Ash the Expert, part of a long line of monster hunters here in Millbranch. Next, we have Cecily the Initiate, whose family basically runs the whole town. Annabelle the Chosen is one of the few people who can remember a previous timeline. And last, we have Iggy the Luchador, who I'm told is an idiot. So like I was saying, the party is on a mission to find out what's going on with this disappearing kid. So they send Ash and Lorelai to stake out the boy's house, while the rest of the group hangs back at the haven, ready to charge in his backup if needed. When they get to the neighborhood, they find the house, pick a good spot for the stakeout, and wait. And wait. And wait. It doesn't take long for Lorelai to get a little antsy, so she decides to sneak a little closer for a better look. She changes to her wolf form and creeps closer to press her ear against a window on the house. Suddenly, she sees a light flash over her and hears, There's a wolf over here! Lights start coming on in the surrounding houses and people start coming outside to see what's going on. Pretty soon, the whole neighborhood is in an uproar over the wolf sighting. Lorelai bolts towards the tree line, cursing under her breath as she hears someone saying to call animal control. Ash, who's still in the car nearby, ducks down in his seat, hoping no one notices him. From a distance, Lorelai can hear people frantically discussing the wolf sighting in the streets. I saw it! It was huge! What if it comes up to the children? Guys, if there's a wolf somewhere, I don't know what I'm hitting. Why was it so close to town? Everyone is panicking. Lorelai creeps back towards the crowd, now in human form, and chimes in with, Hey, you guys were looking for a wolf? I think I saw one run down the street. Back over there in the mountains. The people of Wilbranch are just not buying it, though. Who are you? You don't live in this neighborhood. Lorelai responds. Oh, uh, I just happen to be jogging by. In the forest? You were jogging in the forest. 
at night, replies a skeptical citizen. Well, yeah. Don't you like nature? She argues. It's dark, says another citizen. And I like stargazing. Everyone gives her a strange look for a moment before one of them says, I'm calling animal control. Meanwhile, back in the car, Ash is frantically looking for something he can do to help. He knows he has a device that he can use to make a wolf cry, and he's searching the car everywhere before he finally remembers he left it at home on his desk. Womp womp. Okay, so plan B. He opens the window a little and yells, Hey! Is that a wolf? The townspeople look around, wondering why everyone is just shouting where the wolf is, but ultimately go back to what they were doing. The one woman finally gets in touch with animal control and is explaining in detail how they need to come and find it because there are children in the area. Lorelai, having exceptional hearing, you know, because she's a wolf, hears animal control tell the woman that they're sending a patrol car and a search party out immediately. Which is exactly what you want when you're trying to sneak around a neighborhood at night. Lorelai casually backs away, saying, Well, um, you guys have a nice day. I'm gonna head on home. No one seems to be paying any attention to her anymore, though, so she successfully sneaks away from the frantic crowd and back into the car with Ash. Ash says nothing as Lorelai sinks down into her seat in defeat. About that time, Ash gets a text from Cecily saying, What are you doing? This is a stakeout, not a makeout. The two sigh. Message received. Now the two know they have to try again to get closer and find something out. Anything. But the streets are crawling with upset people, and now also animal control and police. So Ash decides this would be a good time for a smoke bomb. He pulls one out of his bag and lobs it out the window. Well, he tries to. Instead, when he draws back to throw it, it rolls out of his hand and into the back seat. He quickly dives after it, but by the time he grabs it, smoke is just pouring into his face and quickly filling up the car. Lorelai grabs the bomb and chucks it out the window, just in time for it to be all out of smoke and completely ineffective. There is no way the cops are not going to notice a nearby car full of smoke. Time to retreat. So they take off back towards their headquarters with smoke billowing out the windows behind them. The end. This story comes from Heather in San Diego. In this tale, we'll learn that there's always more than one way to complete a task. Some people do it the easy way and some people make things unnecessarily complicated. This is Tickets, Please. Once upon a time, there was a group of heroes who needed to go to a ball. And since their fairy godmother was all tied up at the moment, it was up to the party to get their own tickets. Let's meet our Cinderella's. First, we have a fire genasi sorcerer named Aledi, a half-elf druid named Willow, a halfling ranger named Fred, John the tabaxi rogue, and a dwarf cleric named Flint. 
Now, John the Rogue's Thieves Guild had asked the party to go to the ball to try and form some new connections, you know, help them out with being shady. But they didn't give the heroes any tickets, which was kind of rude. They did at least tell them which tavern to go to to find some, though. So the heroes go off to acquire some tickets by whatever means necessary. When they get to the tavern, the party splits up. Surely at least one of them will be able to find some tickets, right? Eletti and Willow head towards the bar, Fred makes a beeline for a card game off in the corner, while Flint and John hang back and scope out the room a little more. Soon, from a little ways down the bar, Eletti and Willow hear a well-dressed man bragging about his tickets. Hey! Do you have tickets for the ball tomorrow? I do. I have tickets. I'm very important, you know. I was one of the first ones invited, even. Bingo. They have found their target. Eletti drags a reluctant Willow over to the drunk gentleman and says, Hey there. Are, um, these seats taken? The man, trying his best to be smooth, says, Oh, I was just saving these for a couple of beautiful ladies. Have a seat. He winks awkwardly as the two sit down. So, I hear that you've got some tickets to the ball tomorrow. You must be very important, says Aletti. Oh, I'm important. Let me tell you who I am. The girls hang on to his every word, giggling at all the right times, lightly touching his shoulder. You know what I'm talking about. After a few minutes of heavy flirting, Aletti makes her move. As Willow leans in closer, all giggly, to get his attention, Eletti quickly pickpockets him. She takes a peek at what she found, and to her dismay, she finds only a few gold pieces and an old target receipt. The gentleman says, So, ladies, how about we take this upstairs? Willow says, Oh, I don't think we... We would love to, interrupts Eletti. Wonderful. My room is just upstairs here. The man responds. He takes them by the hand and begins leading them to his room. Now what? Willow whispers angrily to Aletti. He didn't have the tickets on him. Let's check his room. Worst case scenario, we tie him up or something. He's drunk. I'm sure it'll be fine. Willow sighs and says, How do I always let you talk me into this stuff? Meanwhile, over at the card game, Fred has been playing well. He's taken a good sum of gold off his opponent already, and soon the man has nothing left to bet. Fred says, One more. Last game. Winner takes all. The man says, I have nothing left to bet. You already have all my gold. Fred replies, Aw, come on. You must have something. The man reaches into his pocket and pulls out two tickets to the ball. What about these? Fred pretends to think a moment before saying, Yeah, I'm sure I can sell them or something. Let's play. Before long, Fred has beaten the man again and walks away triumphantly with his winnings. Let's check in with John the Rogue. While the girls are flirting and Fred is playing cards, John has zeroed in on a servant girl drinking in the corner. He knows her boss would probably have left the tickets with her for safekeeping. All he needs now is a distraction. He looks around for a moment before spying a few guys in a corner who were getting a little rowdy. 
he quickly grabs a chair and flings it across the room at the guy who is walking away from them. The chair breaks across the man's back and he spins around with an angry yell. Ah! You'll pay for that. The man jumps on one of the guys who he assumes threw the chair and a fight breaks out. John waits until the servant girl notices the fight and quickly grabs two tickets out of her pocket. Success. Fred and John meet back up with Flint at a table in the corner. Fred says, Got two tickets in a card game. How about you guys? John replies, Took mine off that drunk guy's servant. Wait, says Flint. You mean that man the girls just went upstairs with? John says, Yeah, that one. Fred sighs and Flint face palms. Come on, says Flint. Let's go get him. The three guys head up to the room and quickly defuse the situation by pretending to be angry husbands. Just in time, too. Everyone heads back out to see what they have. Hey, Flint, did you get any tickets? Asks Fred. Yep, two, replies Flint. Good, we're covered. How'd you get yours anyway? Flint gives a little shrug and says, Oh, I just went up to this guy and asked if he could give me some. And he did. Everyone stares at him for a moment before Willow cries, Seriously? The end. If you like this story, Heather and the other players featured here are starting their own live play D&D podcast called Roll Call. It's available anywhere you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening. If you like D&D podcasts, which clearly you do, be sure to check out one of our favorites, All D20. You can find them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. To submit a fail, email me at bedtimefairyfails at gmail.com or message me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Bedtime Fairy Fails and Twitter as BT Fairy Fails.